Good morning, Chapel. How are we doing? I'm trying not to spill this all over the stage. All right, uh, man, I'm so glad to be with you guys this morning. Um, I love NGU, and I'm grateful to be here. If I have not met you yet, my name is Connor. This is my second year here at NGU, um, and I am growing to love it a lot. Um, I I love getting to gather with you guys twice a week here in this room um, as a student body, as a family, and and worship the Lord together. So um, I'm excited for fall break. Anybody else? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm hoping you guys get some good rest, and I'm hoping you get some good time with family and friends, um, because I don't know if there's anybody in here that just feels like they need that, like they're tired, they're worn out, um, maybe drained, overwhelmed. I don't know what adjective you would choose, but but I know that I've heard from a lot of you some of those sentiments, right, that, that you just feel that. You feel overwhelmed and tired, busy, all those, those things. And um, if any of you were at our BCM gathering a few weeks ago, like I expressed some similar sentiments. The, the first month and some change of this semester honestly kind of did a number on me. Um, and, and I looked up in September and had this moment where I was feeling anxious. I was feeling overwhelmed. I was honestly feeling burnt out. And that's not a healthy place to be, but unfortunately, I think it's, it's where we often live in our world today. We live in that constant state of feeling overwhelmed and feeling overworked and feeling burnt out and anxious. And God, in, in my situation, personally had to get my attention. Like, literally, it was the day after Miss Ruth stood up here and talked about how God uses things to get our attention, right? You had to say it, Miss Ruth. You had to do it. Okay. The next day, I'm, I'm, I'm running out on the track. Uh, out, out down here on the track. I'm, I'm running a few laps, um, trying to get some exercise in, some good cardio workout, you know. Um, going around, and like the amazing athlete I am, um, <laughs> lost track of my footing, stepped off the side of the track. I'm glad nobody was out there, because it was like, it was ugly. I, I, my phone went flying in the air, like the floor fell off from under me. I, I was laying in the grass, um, I tried to get up. It was not happening. I think the lacrosse team was practicing out on the field, and I was looking up, hoping none of them saw me. Um, but I was laying there on my back on the track. I called Brett and Jody to see if they could come pick me up. They didn't come pick me up, but they did FaceTime me and take screenshots for their own pleasure later. Um, so I guess that's what love is. I don't know. Um, but I did have some, some great friends, Shelly and Stuart and Jared. Thank you for picking me up. Um, anyways, the point is the Lord got my attention. Like, that was the moment. I'd kind of already, I'd had a moment where I realized something needed to change. Like, I was running too fast. It was not a sustainable pace. But I was just kind of stuck. Like, I didn't know what to do. And then God said, I'm going to force you to stop. I'm going to force you to slow down. I'm going to force you to examine your life and your heart and your habits and, and see, like, where, how did you get here? How did you get to this place? And one of the biggest realizations for me in that moment was that I, even though I was doing a lot of things for the Lord, I was not really truly resting in the Lord. I wasn't creating the space in my life to rest in God's presence, to to drink deeply from him. My spiritual cup was dry, even though I was reading my Bible and I was doing a lot of things. I was preaching on Thursday nights, like I was doing it. But my spiritual cup in my own life had run dry in a lot of ways. And I was even, you know, I realized that if it wasn't work or ministry or even trying to finish grad school, like all these different things that I had on my plate. If it wasn't those things, it, it was squeezing out those, those small moments, the margins in my day with consumption of media, like my phone, some show on Netflix, like whatever it was. It was like just constantly my mind was stimulated and I was busy and, and my cup had run dry. Maybe you can relate this morning. 
And so I want to speak from Jeremiah chapter 2. If you guys want to turn there, Jeremiah chapter 2. This this text speaks to our susceptibility to turn to things other than the Lord, hoping that they'll fulfill us, hoping that they'll satisfy us. And this is a book I read through last year that I honestly resonated with a lot, like just from the first chapter where the Lord calls Jeremiah to be a prophet and to speak to the people. And, And Jeremiah's response is, God, I'm just a youth. I don't know how to speak. And I was, as I was reading this, I was getting preparing to, to speak at a summer camp that I had worked at for several years. And when, when Jeremiah says, I'm just a youth, I don't know how to speak, I was like, bro, same. Like, I feel that. And, and I related with that. But God's response to Jeremiah, he said, I love this phrase, gird up your loins and say what I'm going to put in your mouth. Say the words that I'm going to put in your mouth. And so my prayer this morning, even as I girded up my loins and prepared to speak to you guys today, my prayer is that God would ultimately speak. That the words that he puts in my mouth would go forth and that that's what you would hear. And so I'm going to read from Jeremiah chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 4 through 13. Um, You guys can follow along. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob. This is God speaking. And all the clans of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord. What wrong did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and went after worthlessness and became worthless? They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness, in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that none passes through where no man dwells? And I brought you into a plentiful land to enjoy its fruits and its good things. But when you came in, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The priests did not say, where is the Lord? Those who handle the law did not know me. The shepherds transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and went after things that do not profit. Therefore, I still contend with you, declares the Lord. And with your children's children, I will contend. For cross to the coast of Cyprus and see, or send to Kedar and examine with care. See if there has been such a thing. Has a nation changed its gods, even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. And here's what I want to focus this morning. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. And hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Pray with me. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through your word. That your word will not fail to accomplish the purpose that you desire, God. That it will go forth and do what you want. So Lord, speak to us in this moment. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm mainly going to focus on verse 13 there, that last verse I read. But I wanted to give you some context And here in in chapter 2, the first few verses that I didn't read, God is is talking about how Israel once loved God, once followed after him faithfully. But now, as verse 5 told us, they've gone after worthlessness and become worthless. They've turned from him. These were God's people. And so I do want to acknowledge this morning, my message will mostly be directed towards people that are followers of Jesus. But if if that's not you, if you're not in that place, don't tune out because there's something for you here too. But verse 13 summarizes the problem that's that's happening here in Israel. 
where God says, my people have committed two evils, a double evil, your translation might say. The first one was that they've forsaken God. They turned from God, this fountain of living water. And then the second evil is that they've hewed or, or made for themselves cisterns. And it repeats itself, broken cisterns, God says, that hold no water. And this is metaphor that God uses for describing how they had turned from God to other things, hoping that they would find satisfaction. They're putting these things in the place of God. And to really understand this metaphor, we need a little bit of historical context, right? Like, going back here, for all of us, even today, water is a vital source of life, right? Like, we have to have water to live, plain and simple. But what's different about this context versus ours today is that water was not always easy to come by. Like, they didn't have the, the tap that they could just turn and water would come out, right? And so there, there are a few different ways that they would get water. The best source, the easiest one, is if you were by a river or a stream of some kind that you could go to and, and get water. It was usually pretty consistent unless there was some major drought, usually pretty clean to drink. So that was the best option if you were living near some water like that, moving water, often called living waters. The second option was if, if you had groundwater where you could dig a well, and we see that a lot in the scriptures, right, where they dig wells deep into the groundwater, and, and the, the soil actually works to filter the water, and it's pretty clean too, so that's a good option as well. It takes a little work, but it's a good option. The lesser option is a cistern. So maybe you're not as familiar with a cistern, but a cistern is basically this big pit that would have been dug into the rocks in the ground. So they would dig this pit out of the rock, dig this hole, and they would seal it usually with some kind of plaster. And so this would be basically turned into this pool that would collect water, rainwater, runoff water, like it would just collect there and, and stay there for later use. Sometimes these things could be massive. Like I read that there was one that was discovered that could hold up to 2 million gallons of water. Like that's a water source that would make Bobby Boucher proud, okay, right? Like, but the, the thing about this, the downside to cisterns is that they, they often, because it was stagnant water, they often would become contaminated. Like the water would not be clean, would not be good to drink. And so it wasn't the best option, but sometimes it was the only option. And so they were still important. They were, they were vital to life in certain situations. And so to kind of help illustrate it, this um, right here, I'm going to pretend that this is our cistern, okay? This nice little jar. Um, looks like it can hold a decent amount of water, okay? And I'm going to dig it in here as, as they would into the ground, per se, which came from the volleyball courts. So um, thank you, Bill Watson. If you're watching, I will return it, I promise. Um, okay. <laughs> So this is our cistern here in the ground, okay? And this is representing some kind of like rainwater, runoff water that's being collected into our cistern here, okay? And so it, it's going to hold a decent amount and it's going to be able to be used later, okay? So I'm just going to leave it here. We'll come back to that. But that's basically what a cistern is, okay? So it had to be sealed in order to, to hold water. And God's saying what they're doing is coming and turning to broken cisterns. But the point is that the people of God had access to God, the fountain, a reliable source of pure water and pure life, and they turned away from him to things that would not satisfy. And this was not new for the people of Israel. Like, if you read the Old Testament, this is the same song, different verse, right? Like, that they had constantly turned away from the Lord. And God says, what fault did my people find in me? Like, why in the world did you turn away? Like, give me a reason. 
What have I done wrong? And he says, they didn't ask, where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt? Because if they would, they would have remembered, I am the God who brought them from the land of Egypt. Like, I have provided for them over and over again. And what I do love about this, and I'm thankful for Bridget and just her sharing what's on her heart. She basically preached my sermon, honestly, and I'm not mad about it at all, because um, it was amazing. But she, she talked about how sometimes we ask, where is God? We don't feel him. We, we wonder, where is he? And, and I love that God almost acknowledges like, that there's going to be those situations in our life where we doubt his presence. We're tempted to doubt that he's with us. But he says, when we ask that question, where is the Lord? We need to couple that and in the same breath, remember all that God has done. That's the first point for us this morning, to remember all that God has done in our lives. For the people of Israel here, the, the primary thing they were called to remember is how God delivered them out of Egypt, out of slavery in Egypt, into the promised land. He led them through the wilderness into the promised land. For you and me, we can think about how God delivered us from our sin through the sacrifice of Jesus, cross, Jesus Christ on the cross. Not to mention the ways that he provides for us and the things that he does for us every single day. But these are reminders that he is with us that he is for us, that he's the living God, as we sang. He's able to do these things. He's powerful because we're so prone to forget. So we have to force ourselves to remember what God has done. We often go after things that don't profit, like it says in verse 8. Even the leaders here, the priests and the prophets, all the, the, the lawyer, the people that were like studying God's law, all of them were, were going away too. So none of us are, are above this, above turning from God to things that don't profit. But I love in verse 9 when God says, like, it, it actually, the thought flow kind of shifts. It doesn't really make sense. He's, like, coming at them, like, telling them all the things they've done. And then he says, therefore, which usually means, like, for these reasons, I'm going to act in this way. So you'd expect him to say, like, I'm abandoning you. But he says, therefore, I still contend with you. And Bridget said this, like, when, when we feel like we're running away from God, he is still chasing after us. Like, as, as frequently as we turn away from him and chase after other things, he's pursuing us, wanting us to come back to him, wanting us to turn to him, drawing us back. And I love that about our, our God. And then flipping to verse 10, God gives this really harsh indictment, honestly. He says, look at the other nations. Examine from Cyprus, or your translation might say Kittim, or and then to Kedar, okay, which is basically like a phrase of him saying from the west to the east, far and wide, examine the other nations and see, like, do they change their gods? Like these nations have gods that they worship. They're not even real. Some of them are made out of like wood and stone that they made themselves, and they don't even change their gods. Like, they stay loyal to these false gods, yet my people that worship the living God have turned away from me. What an indictment on these people. They've exchanged their glory, as God puts it, for that which does not profit. And there's the double evil that we see in this passage. They've turned from God and made for themselves broken cisterns. Instead of living for God, they've, they've pursued false gods. They pursued wealth or pleasure or comfort and all these other things that hope will satisfy them. Hope will fill them. My question for you this morning is, have you done the same? Before you write me off really quickly, like, take an honest, 
hard look internally and ask yourself that question. Like, how are you spending your time and your money and your energy and your thoughts? Like, what do those say about what is functionally your God in your life? Who are you serving? What are you serving? What are you living for? Because for me, it was sneaky, right? Like, a few weeks ago, I wouldn't have told you, like, that I'm living for something other than God. Like, again, I'm serving, I'm leading in ministry and capacity, but, but when I took an honest assessment of how I was spending my day and the things that were consuming my mind, like, there was a large portion of it that was pursuing things that weren't the Lord. They were pursuing comfort or entertainment or even just achievement or success, even in ministry. Like, those things are different than pursuing Christ himself. We need to drink more deeply from Christ than anything else. We need his rest. We need to turn off the noise to be still and to know that he is God. And so I don't know what it is for you, what you're pursuing, what you're living for. Maybe it's some earthly pleasure like sex or alcohol or some other substance that some of you in here are struggling with. And I know it's crazy to think that that's happening at NGU, but I know there's some of you in that, that space. And that's not from a heart of condemnation. That's from a place like I, too, had struggled with self-control in some of those areas when I was in college. But I know that there's some of you in that space in here. Maybe some of you are just pursuing fun, like you're just trying to have a good time and live a good life and, and be entertained and, 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 and have fun, like have friends and a social life, things that aren't necessarily good. But if you're honest, that's where you're seeking satisfaction. That's where you're seeking fulfillment. Maybe it's academic or athletic success. Maybe it's a relationship in your life. Shameless plug, next week in BCM on Thursday night, we're starting a series on relationships, so would love for you to join us. Maybe it's for you it's some kind of affirmation or connection you're craving through social media, and you can't get enough of that. Maybe you're just kind of aimlessly floating. I don't know what it is for you this morning, but I want you to ask, what's that thing you crave when you wake up in the morning? Like, where are your thoughts when you find yourself without something to do? What's consuming you? Whatever answer, whatever's your answer to that question, I would suggest that maybe that's your broken cistern this morning. Maybe that's the thing that you're hoping will satisfy you that God is saying ultimately never will. Because as we remember what he's done for us, we at the same time have to recognize our broken cisterns. The things that are preventing us from drinking deeply and spending time in God's word and spending time in his presence. I've thought a lot recently about our phones and just how much time we spend on our phones. Like, I think most of us at some point, if not all the time, have acknowledged that it's too much. Yet rarely we actually do anything about it. And kind of the realization I've had in the past couple weeks is because our culture pulls us so hard and so strongly in this direction of distraction and constant stimulation and busyness, like we have to pull equally as hard in this direction to find space, to find margin, to find rest. And so that may mean doing some things that seem drastic, that other people will tell you are, are over the top, unnecessary. But maybe for you they are absolutely necessary in order to drink deeply and fight distraction. For me, something I've been doing Saturday mornings, I've been turning my phone off, like powering off, which is crazy that that seems so radical today. <laughs> but that's where we are, right? Like most of us, our phones are on 24-7, and that, like, that was me too. Like that is me most of the time. 
But what is that thing? Like, what can you do to create that space? Not hope that you find it, but create that space to rest in the Lord. Don't keep yourself from that rest because something seems over the top or seems radical or you think somebody might make fun of you for it. Like, your spiritual and mental and emotional health is too important. Do it. Whether that's a social media break, putting down the video game controller for for a time, pulling back from some commitments. Some of you have overextended yourself and you're realizing it, and you need to have some conversations about pulling back. Some of you need to step down from a ministry role because rather than serving and ministering out of your rest in the Lord, you are working yourself dry. So some of you need to have the courage to step back in those capacities. But do what you need to do to find your broken cisterns and to turn from those things back to the Lord. It takes hard work. Sometimes the cracks are hidden and we think we're stronger than we are. Like that, I think, is a big reason that the Lord gave us Sabbath rest. To remind us of our limitations. To remind us of our need for Him. Because if we keep pouring ourselves into broken cisterns, making these things that we think will satisfy, it doesn't matter how big our cistern gets, how much water we think it can hold, if it's cracked, if it has a faulty foundation over weeks and years of running at that pace, it will ultimately always leave us dry. Like, if your cistern has cracks and if your foundation has cracks, it will not hold water. It will leave you empty. And so, as you are thinking about the things you need to change in your life, like, if this is you, I'm inviting you this morning, please run back to the fountain of living water. God is inviting you back to drink deeply from his presence, to experience his rest and fulfillment and satisfaction. And so the last point is to return to the fountain of living water. Drink deeply. Because you see, sometimes we don't even realize how thirsty we are until we take that first sip. Like this happened to me this past Saturday night. We were at the football game supporting the Crusaders. Come on. And I had been tailgating during the day. We had this awesome tailgate. It was fun. But I, apparently I didn't drink a lot of water. I didn't realize it. And so I'm sitting in the game. and I'm like, man, I'm actually, I feel like I'm kind of thirsty. And so I took a sip of my bottle of water. And it was in that moment when I took that sip that I realized I was as parched as SpongeBob when he was in Sandy's tree dome. <laughs> like this was me. I was like, water. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and it's funny, but this is some of you spiritually right now. Like this picture right here is representing where some of you are in your walk with Jesus right now. Parched and dry, needing nourishment, yet not doing anything about it. SpongeBob kept telling himself he was fine. He didn't need water. But he did, clearly. But take this picture and compare it to this next picture that that I'm going to ask to put up on the screen. This, This I took this picture on March 13th, 2020. Some of you may realize was like the day the world basically started shutting down. I had the amazing privilege with my seminary that I'm studying at to travel to Turkey. And this was taken in the city of Izmir, Turkey. Izmir is the modern city of ancient Smyrna, which we read about in the book of Revelation. This fountain has been flowing since Bible times. Some estimate over 2,700 years that this fountain has been pouring out water from a spring in Izmir. Compare this image to to the image of the broken cistern. 
And what this passage is telling us, what this metaphor is telling us, that we have this fountain that never runs dry, that is constantly giving us pure water, drinkable water, a a pure and and constant source of life, and yet we turn aside and we say, you know what, I'm just going to dig a little deeper. I'm just going to try a little harder. I'm just going to pour a little more water like I think that I can do it. And ultimately, we are always left dry. But we always have the fountain of living water accessible to us. And God wants you to delight in that, to be satisfied in that. And we see that in John chapter 4. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to ask you to turn there. But Jesus approaches this woman at the well. You know the story. And he asks her for a drink. And she says, like, how can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink? They didn't like each other, okay? And Jesus answers in this way, John 4.10. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus came to offer God the fountain of living water to all people, not just the people of Israel, to all of us. It's available for us. All you have to do is come to him and ask for it, to give up your broken cisterns and take up this fountain of living water and live for him. Some of you haven't in this room haven't committed this double evil. Because you've never known God in the first place to forsake him. Some of you have always been living for these broken cisterns, hoping they will satisfy you. Hoping that partying or alcohol, relationships or success or popularity, all these things will bring you fulfillment. And while they may provide temporary pleasure, they will always, I can guarantee you, a lot from personal experience, they will always leave you empty. Always wanting more. Always thirsty for more. Thirsty for the living water. Nothing but a personal relationship with Jesus can provide that kind of satisfaction. And so I want to invite you this morning, if that's you, if you're experiencing the emptiness of chasing these other things, to to come to the fountain. Talk to me about what it looks like to surrender your life to Jesus and drink deeply from that satisfaction. Text our number, 864-800-6500. Let us help you in that. Let us talk to you about that. And to the follower of Jesus this morning that's in this room that feels dry and depleted and empty, that you've been digging these broken cisterns and, and the water's drained out, let me just invite you this morning to return to the fountain. Return to the living water. Do what you need to do to create the space for rest and refreshment and life for your weary soul. So let me pray for you, uh, and then we'll be dismissed. God, thank you this morning for this word. Not from me, but from you. From your prophet Jeremiah that that he wrote down that we could read and be encouraged by. And so I pray this morning, even right now, that as you're pressing on students' hearts, the things that they need to do to create the space to run to you, to drink deeply from you, to be satisfied in you, that they would do it. Even right now in this room, that they would delete an app or, or text somebody that they need to have a conversation with, that they would do it in your power, God, for your glory. So would you empower us by your spirit? Would you move hearts? Anybody that needs your salvation, would you draw them in, God? We thank you for this time. We love you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll stick around if you need to talk to anybody. Uh, Have an amazing fall break. We love you guys. You're dismissed.